I search the world. You know it, sing it out. But it couldn't fill me. A man's empty praise, the treasures that fade are never enough. And you came along and put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. Oh, I know it's true, yeah. Come on, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. my weakness my failures and flaws Lord you've seen them all and you still call me friend cause God of the mountain is a God of the valley there's not a place there's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again Oh, there's nothing Oh, there's nothing Better than you There's nothing Better than you Oh, there's nothing Nothing is better than you Oh, there's nothing this morning you turn morning to dancing hey you get beauty for ashes you turn shame into glory you're, you're the only one who can Come on. you turn Nothing is better than 
every victory we will lift our eyes we won't fear the fight there is one who's stronger hard pressed on each side we will not lose sight of the one who's great one name, one name, one name holds every victory. One voice that silences the enemy. One king who reigns for all eternity.
every victory.
us his faithfulness never runs out come on push through this morning
church. Let me hear you singing out this morning. Great is your faithfulness to me from the rising sun to the setting same I will praise your name from the rising sun to the setting same I will praise your name Can we sing that chorus one more time? Great many people are glad that he's faithful even when we're faithless how many people will say he's been faithful to me even when I don't deserve it he's been faithful to me that song declares father your faithfulness is great father you are great and you're greatly to be praised can we give him just a hand clap of praise this morning God thank you for your faithfulness thank you for your goodness and for your mercy Amen. Look at somebody and let them know that you are glad that they are at Gateway Church this morning. We are so excited to, to have you with us. And um, if you're a guest, we want to thank you for being here. Thank you for spending your Sunday morning worshiping with us. And uh, we are so glad that you're here. A couple of things I, I want to make you aware of. Uh, the first thing is we're still, we have one week left in our uh, f- fundraising drive. And uh, we uh, had someone come to us and say, uh, Pastor, for every dollar that's given to the building fund for the, till the end of November, we want to match that. And uh, so we have been blessed and people have been giving. And, and I just uh, pray that uh, during this next week that you'll let God move on your heart. And uh, we've got a lot of stuff that uh, we're continuing to do uh, to make... Uh, this place more attractive and better functional for, uh, for us and for those who come in from the community. Uh, secondly, I want you to know that uh, how many people have already started Christmas shopping? Anybody? Uh, let me ask you this. Has anybody done Christmas shopping? No, uh, almost? Weirdos. Um, <laughs> we, um, uh, every year, for this is the 10th year, we do uh, what's uh, called a Christmas outreach. And what that is, is we go to the Ashland uh, Resource Center and we say, give us the names of uh, s- some children that are in the school system or have brothers and sisters. Uh, and we take an entire family, uh, all of the, the children in that family, and we provide Christmas for them. And this year we have 25, 26 students and, uh, and siblings uh, that we are providing Christmas for. And we, will, we give them a list, a wish list, and we say, fill this out. And um, let us know, you know, what you would like to have, and and uh, then we do our best to fulfill that need. And the way that we do that is every we have a, uh, a wish list for every child. And uh, immediately following service today, uh, uh, there'll be a meeting right up front here, and uh, you can take a name if you want and and go shopping. 
you have a couple other options. You can, you can split a list with someone. You can say, hey, I don't like to shop, but here's some money. And, and we do have some professional shoppers. And uh, they would love to just go shopping uh, for that child. Uh, but it's just a, a way, and we don't look for any recognition out of it. Uh, we tell the parents, we say, hey, you can come pick up the presents. Uh, you can tell them whatever you want to tell them. You don't, you don't have to tell them from the church. You can tell them from you, whatever you want to do. But we just want to bless you and uh, allow your children to have Christmas. Uh, we'll get together on the Tuesday before that, and we'll have a big wrapping party. And uh, that was, it's always a lot of fun, and we have food. And, and anytime we get together, we try to have food. And, but we get together, play Christmas music, drink hot chocolate. And so I would just ask that you pray about that. And if you want more information, uh, you can meet right after service right up here. We are celebrating 15 years of ministry. And I told you last week that normally we would be looking at doing a Thanksgiving series or a Christmas series. And, uh, but as I begin to, to pray, and, and a lot of times when you get so far away from something being new, you forget what it was like when it was new. And for some of you, you've been here for 15 years or almost 15 years of, of this church. Uh, some of you have been here 15 minutes. Uh, but what we want you to know is, is that when we planted Gateway Church, that, that there were some certain things and some certain values and, and a certain way that we thought that church should like. And uh, so as I begin to, to look at and think about uh, what God would, would want me to, to do leading up to 2022, we begin to look at a series that maybe in the church world has been a little bit overdone. I mean, you see bumper stickers and uh, uh, all of these things, and I thought, man, that's just, I don't want to do that. But there's just no better way to describe it. Uh, so we started a series last week that says, simply says, I love my church. And uh, it, it's what Jesus said. I mean, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, and, and there is a universal church. There is a body of Christ. Uh, but also, uh, at another level, there is a, a, a local expression of the church. Uh, you and I are the church, and then we make up the local expression of the church, and then all the churches together make up the body of Christ. And, and we understand that He lives in us. And so last week I said there's going to be four areas that we want to look at over four weeks. Uh, we believe a church should be supernatural. We believe a church should be relational. Uh, we believe that the church should be attractional and that the church should be missional. And so as we begin to, to look at that, last week we talked about the church being supernatural and how that, that the church is built on His love. The Bible tells us that God is love. The church shouldn't be built on fear. The church isn't built on human love, but it's His love. It was His blood that was shed. The Bible tells us that out of Adam's side came his bride, Eve. And out of Jesus' side came his bride, the church. And so he laid the foundation and he framed us and, and he finishes us. He perfects us. He does a work in our life. And it's a supernatural work. And when we look at a church, we want to be able to look and see and know that there's no way that man could make it happen. But it's something supernatural through the power of his Holy Spirit. Today I want to talk about the second aspect of what we feel a church should look like and should be. Today I want to talk about a relational church. If you've been here for any amount of time, you know that, that this is something. And, and I told my wife last night, I said, it's, it's a little dangerous when I start preaching about something that I'm so passionate on. 
because I, I could just talk and talk and talk and talk. And, and so if I seem in a hurry today, it's because I've got a lot I want to say, but I don't want uh, you to leave here thinking, man, he wouldn't shut up. Uh, so, but I'm very passionate about doing life together. I'm very passionate about that church is not meant to be, uh, that, and that life is not to be meant to be alone and to do alone. Uh, the Bible tells us when two or, or more are gathered together, doing life together is so important. And, and, and it's, it's important for this reason. We have to know and understand that we can't reach our destiny by ourselves. We can't reach our destiny alone. You will never be what God has called you to be in life or in Him if you try to be the Lone Ranger. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, Jesus said that he couldn't even build his church without us. He needs us. Uh, it, it, Jesus needed 12 guys to help walk with him. And, and then it spread to 120 people in the upper room. And when, when the Father said, I'm going to give you my spirit. He said, I need you to be me in the earth. I need you to, to proclaim my goodness and, and my grace and, and to help build my church. You, I, I feel sorry for people who say, well, I love God, but, but I, I, I have something against the church. I love God, but, but I just I don't like the church. I feel sorry for them because, because they're missing it. And, and I understand that, that the reason that they feel that way about the church is, is not because they hate people, but, but it's because they've been done wrong by the church or maybe been done in relation, wrong in relationships. Listen, relationships can get messy. Anybody agree with that? It, 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 people, someone used to say, people are people everywhere. In other words, if you have been in a relationship for any amount of time, there's going to be those people. And, and even the person that you love, there's sometimes they're going to get on your nerves. Husbands, don't look at your wives, and wives, don't look at your husbands. I saw three people elbow their spouse. He's talking about you. I used to have a, a teacher in middle school. Some of you uh, are amazed that I went to middle school, and others of you are amazed that I can still remember it. Uh, but I had a choir teacher. And uh, now I know you have this, you probably find this hard to believe, but there was times that I could get on her nerves. And she would look at me, and she had these glasses, and she would look over her glasses and as she was playing her piano, and I was cutting up, and she would say, Dunbar, you are on my last nerve, and you are starting to dance. But at the end of the day, God said, listen, even though those relationships can be messy, it's still through those relationships and through people that I'm going to build my church. In Matthew chapter 14, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's when Jesus is walking on the water. And I want to read to you that account just to refresh Exactly what happened. Immediately after this, this is Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 32. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. And after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. And meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. 
Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, and he walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Jesus, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. So in this passage of Scripture, we see that, that we have a, a group of guys, a, the disciples, and they're doing life together. There they are, they're in a boat, and they're in the middle of the sea. And, and, but the one thing, that the first thing that I want you to realize is that they are doing life together. They're in that moment together. They're not in separate boats and each going their own way and having to, to, to fight this thing alone. They're in the boat together. And as we begin to look at, the first thing that we have to know and realize is, is that I want to encourage all of us to do is do life together. Listen, social media has tried to substitute for relationships. I love online. And there are a lot of things and a lot of blessings and a, and a lot of good things about social media. But with every strength, there's also usually a weakness. And social media has stolen some things from us. Uh, people can no longer sit down and have a conversation face-to-face and eye-to-eye. I got tickled at uh, my daughter and, and a couple of her friends. I, she was bringing a couple of her friends to, to youth on Wednesday night. And so we went and picked them up. And they don't get to see each other a whole lot. And so they're in the back seat. And as soon as they got in, one of them said, listen, this is a no phone zone. In other words, she was saying, I don't want you to be on that device. I want you to talk to me. And in the beginning, I thought, that's awesome. That's great. She gets it. About less than a mile, I was thinking, please pick up the device. Put in some headphones. Quit talking. But what they were saying was, I want you to be present in the moment. And I want you to understand that that you can't do life through social media. The term friend is is ever evolving. I mean, a friend used to be someone that you did life with. Now it could be someone that that you've never met. I had somebody message me uh, on Messenger just uh, two days ago. And I had no idea who they were. And they had no idea who I was. And I have no idea how I became their friend. Uh, I don't know if I requested them or they requested me. So we begin to have this conversation. And I thought, that's great. Uh, I, I'll never know you. And, but hey, you're my friend on Facebook. You ever got, you got those people that you look through your friend list and think, who is that? You know, the average number of friends on Facebook is 338. Some of you are thinking right now, you're looking to see, am I above average or below average? Do you know the average American only has two true friends? And that 25% of Americans say they have zero close friends? So we're living in a society where there's a lot of online activity, but there's very little personal intimacy. We're living for likes, yet so many people are longing for love. People are, are, are more connected than ever before, but they feel more alone than ever before. Hebrews chapter, 24, uh, chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says this, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. 
And let us not neglect our meeting together. That's face to face, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You see, God wants us to do life together so that there can be true and real intimacy. I need someone who can see into my life and help me to get where God has called me to be. We have such a real need for real relationships. Because the reality is that the lives that cross our path can alter the course of our life forever. And that's the beauty of the church. Some of your greatest friends are sitting here right now. Some of you have found your spouse in church. Some of you vacation together. Some of you pray together. Church is is a place where if you want to, you can find real and true relationship. The beauty of relationships far outweighs the frustrations. So very quickly, I want to give you five things that I believe that a relational church should do and should be. The first thing, a relational church inspires. If I were to ask you, where do you get your inspiration from? I mean, is it TV, books, Instagram posts? Hopefully it's not TikTok. There's nothing like someone that looks you in the eye. Someone that knows you, that inspires you to do something that you didn't think you could do. We all need inspiration. And inspiration comes through real relationships. Inspiration comes when people look at you and say, listen, there is more in you than you see. Uh, Samuel told Saul, he said, he said come up here and, and eat with me. I want to tell you, I want to tell you what I see. He says, you're going to be the next king that Israel's waiting for. Saul says, me? I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. That's the least of all the tribes. He says, listen, you don't realize it, but God has put something on you. I see it. I know it. He said, don't look at your, at your limitations. He was inspired to be more and to, to know that, that God had called him to do something through this relationship. Listen, we all need inspiration. There's going to be times that, that we feel like that we can't go on or that we can't do what God has called us to do. And it's in those moments that we need someone close to us that we trust saying, listen, you can do it. You can do it. Matthew chapter 14, verse 29. says, Jesus tells Peter, he says, come. And that's all Jesus had to say. And it says, Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Peter needed some inspiration. Peter needed Jesus to say, you can do it. Peter needed Jesus to say, listen, it's not impossible. He needed to be inspired. And us, as we live our day-to-day life, we need people that will inspire us, that says, listen, you can make a difference. You can make a difference. The Bible is full of people who, when they looked at themselves, they thought, I can't do it. We think about someone like Moses. Moses said, you know, who am I? I'm slow of a speech. I, I, I can't do this. God said, listen, you are going to lead people out of bondage. And he had people walking with him. 
to help him walk into that. He told David, you're going to be a king. Although that David was, was looked at as, as one of the least of the brothers. He told Abraham, you're going to be a father even in your old age. He told Peter, you're going to catch men instead of fish. Jesus, as when he was walking this earth, he saw things in people and he inspired them. And, and we need to be a church that inspires one another. We need to be a church that, that comes together when true relationships that tells people that it's not just wishful thinking, but, but we can make a difference. We need people that says, listen, that's not just wishful thinking, but that's the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 says this, but God has chosen the foolish things. How many people say, I'm in that category? He's chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things. Anybody in that category? I'm raising my hand on both. He's chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. That's the word of God. We may look at ourselves and we may not realize who we are in Christ. But, but there's somebody that when we have those relationships and we are in the corner somewhere feeling sorry for ourselves and thinking that we can't do it or we're not going to make it. We have somebody that says, let's go, get up, come out of that boat, walk on this water. And I don't know what it is that that's echoing in your soul right now. I don't know who you have, if you have anybody speaking into your life. But those people that are speaking into your life, they need to be inspiring you. They need to be making you want to, to launch out and to watch God do great things. Because the people in your life will either launch you or they'll limit you. You see, you can have relationships that, that aren't good, healthy relationships. You can have, uh, it, it doesn't say it, but I can imagine that some of those disciples in the boat, they were probably saying, you're nuts, Peter. Stay in this boat. You've lost your mind. Stay in this boat. I mean, none of them were, were clamoring to get out and walk on the water. And you may have people in your life that, that they're telling you, stay in the boat because it's safe. But you need people that says, step out of the boat. Take that next step. Do what God has called you to do. Be that person that he's called you to be. God has called us to assemble together. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, the King James Version actually says this, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. That word provoke there actually means to thrust or to launch. It says, let us consider one another to, to, to thrust people into love and, and to doing good works. A relational church inspires. Secondly, a relational church, it rescues. It rescues. When you are connected to a church, you can find help in the time of need. When you have true relationships, you can find help in the time of need. Let's look back at verse 30 and 31 of this story. It says, but when, Jesus saw this, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? What I want you to, to, to see here is, is that Peter was in a moment that he needed rescued. Peter was in a moment that, that, that if Jesus wouldn't have been there, if he wouldn't have had that relationship with Jesus, that person that was encouraging him to get out and do something that he thought he couldn't do, 
then he would have made it. There's people that, that, that you're trying to do life alone. You, you're, you're not connected. You're not connected to a life group. You're not connected to the church. You're not connected. You have no relationships. And, and I can tell you, un, without a doubt in my mind, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You come in here every week. You know, may know people. And, and, but, but you're a spectator. And listen, uh, we can't push you into it. I could get up here and preach 53 weeks a year. And I know there's only 52, but I'd give you twice one week if I could, and if I thought it would help. But I can't push you into it. But all I can do is tell you the benefits of it because I know I've been there. I've tried living without it, and I've lived with it. And we have to be a church that's there for people when they're hurting. You need people to stand with you. You need people to guide you. you. You need to be connected. But in order to be connected, you have to, in order to find help, you have to be connected. Um, have you ever known someone that they want your resources, but they don't want your relationship? I mean, it's, it's that person, you probably had something go through your mind right now. It's that person when the phone rings, the first thing that goes through your mind is, I wonder what's wrong now. I have some... Uh, friends in the, from college, and I never hear from them until um, they have a computer problem. And they live in, you know, in different states, and, and uh, so, and I'll just be honest, there's times I think, I ain't got time to deal with that. You don't care about me. You, just, you need something. But they got smart, because they would go to my voicemail, and they would say, hey, you know, just call to check on your family, see how you're doing. You know, never mention a computer problem, you know, just hadn't talked to you in a while. I called them, and uh, about three seconds of the conversation, I couldn't even get out how my family was. And it was like, well, I was looking at buying a computer. Or I was, uh, I've got this thing that's popped up on my computer. Can you help me? There's those people that, that you don't answer the phone because you get tired of being used. But then there are those other people that you have true relationships with. And it doesn't matter. It could be 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. There, and, and if that phone rings, you're going to answer it. Why is it? Because you're in true relationship with them. And, and you are concerned about them. And, and you want to, them to know that no matter what's going on, that they can count on you. Why? Because you have a relationship with them. They're not just after your resources. They're wanting true relationship. And because of that, resources come with relationships. There are things that, and advantages to having relationships. We, you want to, someone to be there for you, then you have to stay connected. People all the time, I'll hear it. You know, there's just nobody there for me. There's, there's just not, I'm all alone. Resources come with relationships. Thirdly, a relationship, a relational church, it sharpens. Now, this one's a little tough. Because sometimes being sharpened, it doesn't feel the best. Sometimes being sharpened and, and having someone speak to the, the, the truth to you, it hurts. Uh, it doesn't feel good. Peter had some blind spots. Peter had some, some areas in his life that, that, that were there, that were not good. But he either didn't see them or he chose to ignore them. One or the other. 
And when we look at our lives, we understand that every one of us have blind spots. We all have things that we don't see or things that we don't want to see. You know, just like when you're driving, you have blind spots. Now, now I know that uh, these days that cars are so smart that if you uh, try to put on your, you know, if you use a blinker, uh, if you try to put on your blinker to get into the other lane, uh, that car, and if there's somebody in your blind spot, that car will do everything but slam you into the median to keep you from going into that lane. Uh, it's, it's no fun anymore because I used to be able to, uh, I, ha- I would have my wife and I would, and sometimes I'm, I'm going to tell her myself, she probably knows it. Um, I would know there was somebody there, but I was just wanting to aggravate her and I'd put on my blinker and say, hey, can I get over? And then she's like, no! And, uh, but you think about that and you think, man, that's what a companion will do. They see those blind spots because there's been other times that I haven't been playing. I'm like, you know, I'm putting on the blinker and she's already yelling because she knows I didn't see them. Uh, We have this um, uh, technology now in the car that if you're coming up on a car really fast uh, and and you're not slowing down, the thing just starts beeping uh, just uncontrollably to let you know you're getting ready to rear end this guy. And my wife has this great ability that before the car, she's smarter than the car because before it starts beeping, she's yelling. And... um, but it's, it's great. I mean, she's probably kept me out of a lot of accidents because she's watching out for me. But there's times in my life and in our lives that we need to be sharpened. We need to be better than we are. Jesus looked at Peter and, and, and he immediately identified his lack of faith. What was he saying? He was saying, Peter, look, there is a blind spot in your life. In Luke chapter 22, verse 32, he said this. Jesus said, but I've pleaded in prayer for you, Simon that your faith should not fail. In other words, Jesus was saying, I know that, that your faith's a little shaky. I've been praying for you that it won't fail. I'm trying to, to sharpen you, but I want to let you know where your weak spots and blind spots are. He says, so when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. He's saying, Peter, I'm praying for you that your, that your faith doesn't fail. And then, you know, once it does, and then you return to me, I need you to help find the blind spots that I'm telling you about in the people around you. Jesus is saying, listen, there's a blind spot. We all need to, to, to be willing to, to hear the truth about the blind spots in our life. Listen, we don't like it. It hurts. But I can promise you, if you are willing to be sharpened by each other, if you are willing to, to step into a relationship and, and do life together, because here's what happens. God will use those relationships and, and those friends to help sharpen you. And the Holy Spirit will start to do a work in you. And maybe you'll realize that there's someone that you don't have enough grace for. The Holy Spirit, and that using sometimes those relationships to say, hey, you, you need to have a little bit more grace for that person. Or maybe there's somebody in your life that, that, that you need to forgive. And you've got that blind spot, and you're telling yourself, no, I'm, I'm fine, I don't have anything against them, but you've got that, that relationship, that friend speaking into your life that says, hey, I think you've got a real issue. You know, the fact that when their name's mentioned and you turn 37 different shades of red and your blood pressure shoots to the roof, I think you've got some issues. You need to forgive. We sharpen each other. Maybe they look at you and say, hey, you need to not be so easily offended. 
you just get so offended. I mean, we live in an offended world, and everybody just gets offended, and you know, and we think, well, I'm offended, so I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go home. And um, I didn't plan that, but that was just the Holy Spirit. I'm just trying to sharpen us. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 tells us to speak the truth and speak it in love. You know, the problem is, is too often we have people on this side and they're just wanting to speak the truth. And then we got people on this side that they just, you know, they're all love, you know, rainbows and, and unicorns and all of these things. But what we have to have and what the Bible says is we've got to be in the middle. We've got to speak the truth. We've got to speak it in love because you can't have one without the other. And that's the way that we sharpen each other. We have to be sharpened by relationships and a relational church does that. The third thing a relational church does is it restores. It restores. We understand that God is a God of restoration. You look all throughout the Bible. God is always restoring people, people who are hurting, people who have messed up, people who have made mistakes. I mean, everywhere you read, Jesus went around restoring people. He, in John chapter 4, he, he had an instance with a woman at the well. She had been divorced five times. She was currently living with a man that wasn't her husband. And we look at that and, and we think, well, what did Jesus do? Now, if that would have been the, the, some of religious people, if that would have been some people and in, in, in maybe some churches that maybe aren't fulfilling uh, what we are really called to be, they would have said, I'm done with you. You, you're, you're, there's no grace that can cover your mistakes. There's no grace because, you know, you're, you're just too far gone. But what did Jesus do? Jesus went out of his way to restore her. Jesus went out of his way to, to touch her and, and to restore her back to where and, and to put her on the path of being who she needed to be. We look at the story of the prodigal son. And once again, the religious son didn't understand why the father would restore his brother. He looked at him and said, he's messed up. He, he's, he's squandered everything that, that you've given him. He's turned his back on this family. He's been gone forever. And here I am. I've kept everything and done everything that you've asked me to do. Why do you want to restore him to the family? And that was just a parable of Jesus saying, listen, God is a God of restoration. And if God is a God of restoration, then his church should be too. Too many times I've seen people being, be rejected, being pushed away, when it should be exactly the opposite. When we should be welcoming people with open arms, regardless of their past, regardless of where they are, regardless of, of what part of their journey that they are in right now. We have to be a church that is willing to accept people right where they are. Lastly, a relational church, it celebrates. It celebrates. If you look in Matthew chapter 14, once again in verse 33, it says, Then the disciples worshipped him. He said, You really are the Son of God. So they were excited. They were excited because of, of what they had just witnessed. They were excited because they saw Jesus walk on water, and then they saw Jesus help Peter, launch Peter into doing something that they didn't think that they could do or that Peter could do. And then they watched Jesus rescue Peter. And so when they all got in the boat, there was this sense of celebration. There was a sense of, man, just 
10 seconds ago, we thought we were going to die. Just a few minutes ago, we thought that, that we, the ship was going down. But now, here we are, the winds have stopped, and we are on the other side of this storm. And they were looking at the fact of where they used to be and where they were now, and they celebrated the fact of who Jesus was. And when we come together as a church, we have to look around. First of all, we look at our own lives. We look at where we used to be. We look at where God has brought us to. And that's the first reason to celebrate. But that's not the only reason to celebrate, because that would be selfish. The second reason we celebrate is, is because we look around this room. And because we are in relationship with each other, we look at other people and we say, I know what you used to be, and I know what you are now. And we celebrate. I know the direction that you were headed. It was the same direction that I was headed. But because of relationship and because of this church and because of God's grace, your life's been turned around. In verse 28 of Matthew chapter 14, most translations or, or, or every translation, it says, Lord, if it's you. Lord, if it's you. That's what the King James Version says. Now, I am not a Greek scholar. Uh, I told them last service that I'm almost ashamed to admit. But, you know, when you're 18, 19, 20 years old, you're dumb. Any 18, 19, 20-year-olds in here right now? I didn't mean you were dumb, but when you're 18, 19, 20, you're dumb. And so here I was going to, to college and paying all this money and, and uh, to get a pastoral degree. Um, but there was one difference between the Bachelor of Arts and the Bachelor of Science. And that one difference was in order to get a BA or a Bachelor of Arts, you had to take Greek. Now, you would think every pastor would want to have Greek, right? Remember the part where I said 18, 19, 20-year-olds were dumb? So my diploma says Bachelor of Science. Uh, so now I'm just, uh, I, I just have to piece everything together. But as I begin to, to research this and, and to look at it, there are some scholars that believe that, that in this passage of Scripture, do you have that slide up there? Yeah, in that passage of Scripture, that the word if there could and should be translated since. Lord, since it's you. And so as you begin to look at that, you, you think, well, in context that makes sense. Because Peter had already, they, Jesus had already told them who he was. And so in that moment, what if Peter was not operating out of doubt? But instead, Peter was operating and saying, Lord, since it's you, I know I can do it. Since it's you, I can get out of this boat and I can walk on this water. And as we look at, as we come together and we see what God has done in, in my life and he's done in your life and he's done in, in all the lives of people all across this auditorium, it should give us reason to celebrate because we look at it and say, we know that God has done something. And God, since you did it in them, God, since it's you, I know that you can do that in my life. We can come together and we can be inspired because maybe we're still walking through something that somebody else has already been through. And you look at them and they're on the other side of it. And then you hear the pastor or, or one of your friends say, hey, God is no respecter of person. God doesn't love them any more than he loves you. And you begin to celebrate because you say, God, since you did it for them, 
I'm believing that you're going to do it from you, for me. God, since you have taken this person who was abused, since you've taken this person who was addicted to drugs or addicted to alcohol, since you've taken this person who's been hurt, who's, who has been left out or feels alone, since you did it for them, I believe that you can do it for me. God, since it's you. And we're called to celebrate what God has done in our lives and what God has done in each other's lives. And when we come together and when we gather, gather together, this place should be a place of celebration. This place should be a place that, that you would rather be than any other place on the world in the world because we come together to celebrate what God has done. And God has used this local body, not because of, uh, of who we are, but because of who He is. He has used this body to, to help change the course of people's lives. I look all across this building, and, and because I've built relationships, and, and, and I know people who have been transformed because of the relationships they have developed right here at Gateway Church. I can look across this auditorium, and, and I know people, and, and I can say, I know where you were when you weren't here. I know what you were doing and who you were with and, the, and, and all the struggles that you were having. But then I realized that when you begin to build relationships with the right people. You know, as parents, and my parents would use, usually always tell me, you can't go there because they don't live right. You can't go there because if you start hanging around with them, you'll end up just like them. Now, not only... Are 18, 19, and 20 year olds dumb? 13, 14, and 15 year olds are too. And I can say that because they're all in class right up here. <laughs> and I started at 13 because my daughter's 12. And if it gets back to her, I don't want people to tell her I said she was dumb. But as a young teen, I thought, you're stupid. I'm solid. But the older I get, man, I hate saying that. Sounds like a good episode of Andy Griffith. But the older I get, the more I realize how much wisdom that was. Because I understand. I understand. People will either limit you or they'll help you propel you into greatness. And being in a local church is so important. I'm not talking about a church who's just doing church. I'm talking about finding a church where you can build true relationships. And as I told you last week, they're not just going to happen. If you think you're going to build relationships by walking in here for an hour on Sundays and then turning around and walking out you're going to continue to do church the way you've been doing church you're going to continue to, to, to be unfulfilled you're going to continue to feel like that you're missing something and I tell you you are because if you get to know my heart at all you'll know that, that how important I believe that your relationship with God is but I also believe that it's just important to have a relationship with people. 
Because if you don't, if you don't have, first of all, if you don't have a relationship with God, your relationship with people is not going to be right. It's not going to be right. I tell in marriage counseling all the time, if your relationship this way isn't right, then your relationship this way is not going to be right. So that's the first thing. If you're here today and you don't have that relationship, you can forget ever trying to get this right. But you get this relationship right, and then you start working on these relationships, and that's when the, you'll feel fulfilled. You'll be fulfilled. That's when it all come, starts to come together. So I know that um, as a church, I want to be a church that values relationships over entertainment. I, we come in here and we hear great music and, and um, we've even, man, I don't know if I should tell you this, we've even come upon some, some new stage lighting. You may walk in here one day and there may be a big bar hanging across there and some of you thinking, oh man, here we go. Here we go. And all those things are great. They add to the, the atmosphere. But the entertainment's not what's important. I would rather have a church that is built on relationships. A church where people, listen, I, I tell people all the time, this is the first church that I've ever been a part of, ever been on staff at, ever been in ministry at. This is the first church that if I wasn't pastor, that I'd still go to. Now, I hope nobody at the last churches are watching. But it's just the truth. You say, Pastor, you're, you're, you're awful. You know, you, you shouldn't be that. Listen, if, if I don't believe in what we're doing, then there's something wrong. And I'm telling you that this is a place where you can take the next step, that you can launch into relationships. Does that mean you're never going to get hurt? No, because people are people everywhere. but the benefits outweigh the frustrations and the risk. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. First of all, I want you to know that if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you've never asked Him to come into your life, if you've never got this relationship right, or maybe you're here and, and, and maybe at one time you said, you know, I was a lot closer to God than I am right now. My first challenge to you is, is let's, let's, let's start working on that relationship. Let's get it right. And you say, well, how do I do that? You just ask. You seek. You say, God, forgive me. Forgive me of my mistakes. And know that God, just like that father in the parable of the prodigal son, he sees you. He still loves you. You come toward him and he'll run toward you with his arms wide open. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I, I'm doing okay with my relationship with God, but man, I just, people, I'd just rather come in late, leave early. I don't want to rub elbows with anybody. I'd rather just do this thing on my own. My challenge for you is, is,
Just try it. Whatever that looks like for you. Just take the next step. Take the next step and say, God, I don't, I don't, I'm not even sure about this, but I'm going to take the next step. For some of you, the next step is different. You know, for maybe it's getting in a life group. Maybe it's being baptized. Maybe it's going through growth track. But all of that is part of this thing that we call church, relational church. So in this moment, just examine where you are because... It's, it's a personal decision. It's a personal step. We're going to pray. If you need Christ to come into your life, just ask Him to. If you need strength and courage to step out of the boat, listen to Him calling. Come. Step into it. Step out of the boat. Do something that maybe is a little bit out of your comfort zone. If you're a man you have that opportunity tonight we're going to get together and eat if you want information on that I'll be glad come and say hey I want to take the next step I'm not sure I like people but I'm going to try it whatever that looks like for you let's pray Lord I thank you for this church God, I thank you for those who are here today that, God, that they're active and they have relationships in their lives and, God, that they, that they cherish. God, as I know that the enemy does, I, I know that, that he tries to, to come in and tries to divide. God, I pray for supernatural spirit of discernment that we will recognize who He is and what He's trying to do. God, help us not through our power, but through Yours, push Him away. God, I pray that those who maybe just, they're on the fringes. They they haven't truly stepped out into relationships. God, they, they love You, but You've placed relationships right in front of their eyes and right in front of their lives. And and, and, but they just haven't stepped into them. God, I pray that, that you will help us as a church to be conducive and to give avenues of ways that, that they can take a safe step. God, that today people will, will purpose in their heart. They'll realize, I, I need something more. I want something more. I want something more than just an hour every week. I want something meaningful. God, I know that there's people not only in this building today, but all across this tri-state that are looking for true relationships. And God, I pray that you will help us to continue to be and God, even to, to become better at what you've called us to do. And God, that's being a church that is relational. A church where hurting people can be rescued. God, I thank you that, that you're using people to, to help take us to our destiny. And Father, I pray that as God, I, 
I believe that everyone here today is, is not an accident. God, I know that you love us enough that this moment was set up just for us. God, that there's people here that, that they have crossed our path and we have crossed theirs because you have a reason and a purpose. God, I pray that as we continue to go forward and as we march so quickly to 2022, Father, I, I believe in my spirit that it will be the best year God, not only in our lives individually, but in this body, this local body. God, that we are going to affect the community around us more than we could ever hope, dream, or imagine. God, you want to do great things. But God, let us realize that it's supernatural, it's through your power, and God, that it's relational. We have to love people. Father, I ask all these things in your precious son's name. Amen. Can we sing a course together as we close? Oh, I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever rain. I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be Nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever. Run to him. Run to his church. Don't be like those people that some people... When things are going bad, they run to God and they run to the church. Some people, when things are going bad, they run away from God and they run from the church. Let me encourage you to be in that first group of people. Run to his arms. We love you. I pray that you have a great, great Thanksgiving week. And uh, we're excited about what God is doing. Um, Two things. Two things. First of all, don't forget that there's a meeting for Christmas outreach right here. We've got 25 names of kids that need to be taken. If you just want to see what it's all about, uh, you can come to the meeting and say, I can't do that. That's fine. Um, but we would like for you to, to hear. And if you've been here, you know, you know what it consists of. But we would love for you to be a part of that. Second thing is um, our website, thegate.life. And listen, we made it as simple and as easy. You ever seen these people and they put their website out there and it's like that long and you're thinking how am I supposed to remember that this is easy thegate.life if you're there and and you want to take your next step uh, when you go to that down in the right hand corner there's two little feet get it that's pretty cool isn't it because it's like steps you can click on that button and there's going to come up a list of things Uh, if you're new it'll say I'm new and it'll give you a chance to answer three simple questions 
and that will just let us know who you are. Uh, there's other things on there about being baptized, getting in a life group, getting, becoming a volunteer on the Dream Team. Uh, but let me encourage you. It's, we've made it simple. The gate.life, little footsteps. The, those, just, those are hey dude shoes, okay, that we put on there. 